This is Indonesia in depth. My name is Sean Corrigan. In recent episodes, we have covered the run-up to the 2019 presidential campaign and the political negotiations that have been involved, particularly the coalition building between political parties. We also discussed how parties are scrambling to form coalitions to meet presidential thresholds. We have received some feedback from listeners who have requested that I provide background on why political coalitions are even needed and which parties are building them. We keep talking about how Widodo is managing his coalition and how his rival Prabowo Subianto is doing the same. But why do they even need coalitions? And what's all the fuss about? I'll try and answer that today. According to the 2017 election law, any party that wishes to nominate a candidate for president must show that their party or a coalition of parties backing the nominee currently hold at least 20% of the legislative seats or got at least a quarter of the popular vote in the last election in 2014. For this discussion, let's focus just on the 20% seat requirement. So to understand where we stand today, we have to look at the 2014 legislative election results. The 2014 legislative election consisted of 12 parties competing with only 10 parties eventually winning seats. To obtain seats in parliament, parties had to receive at least 3.5 of the national vote. This is also important to discuss, but not with regards to the coalition, so we'll leave this for another episode. So two parties out of 12 didn't make the threshold and didn't receive seats. Those two parties are not in parliament, have to re-register to join the following election. The presidential election in 2014 had two tickets backed by two coalitions. Now each of those two tickets had to be supported by a party or coalition of parties that reached 20% seats in the House, as no single party could meet the threshold on their own. Now, the threshold that's included in the 2017 election law was quite controversial when it was deliberated in the House, but it was eventually passed. The law retained the same threshold of 20% to nominate a presidential candidate as with the 2014 election. This caused quite a bit of controversy. Some parties and critics argue that there should be no threshold to nominate a presidential candidate as Indonesia uses a presidential system. The threshold has been challenged in the constitutional court six times, but the court rejected the request and said the threshold is constitutional. We will get into that a little bit later. So what's the rationale behind having a threshold to begin with? To get a better understanding, let me briefly provide some background on previous elections, how coalitions were formed, and what the thresholds were and why. Indonesian politics has a history of having many political parties since independence in 1945, and the country's first elections were in 1955. Then, in 1966, the so-called New Order came into power when President Suharto became the country's second president. The New Order ruled from 1966 to 1998. In 1973, President Suharto made a major policy change and forcibly consolidated the political parties into just three, Golkar, PDI, and PPP. This was likely done out of his own interest and consolidating his own power. Of these three, the Golkar Party represented the ruling party, PPP represented Islamic parties, and PDI represented the rest of the parties. PDI is the predecessor to the current PDIP party, which is supporting President Widodo. After Reformasi, or the reform period, which began in 1998, the system was changed, allowing once again for many political parties to compete. Reformasi occurred the first few years after President Suharto stepped down as president after 32 years of rule.
1999 election was the country's first democratic election since the 1955 election. This was a very special election as it was the first election in the post-President Suharto era. It was the first time in decades that the people's vote was actually counted in a legislative election. The People's Consultative Assembly, or MPR, still elected the president rather than having a direct voting system which is used today. There were no presidential tickets for voters to choose from as there are now. There were 48 parties competing in that election in 1999, with PDIP coming on top with 33% of the vote. So you can imagine what the ballot looked like with 48 parties listed. Now, in 2004, it was the first time where voters directly elected their members of parliament, the vice president, and the president. This system continues to be in use today, although there have been adjustments along the way. We will get into that in just a minute. Let's look at recent elections to give you an idea of how many parties and presidential tickets there were in each election. The 2004 legislative election consisted of 24 parties competing for seats. The presidential election had five tickets, backed by coalitions of parties. The 2009 legislative election consisted of 38 parties competing. The presidential election had three tickets, backed by coalitions of parties. The 2014 legislative election consisted of 12 parties competing. The presidential election had two tickets, backed by coalitions of parties. It's worth noting that in the elections that I just mentioned, the legislative and presidential elections were held at different times. So the people first voted for their representatives, and then three months later, voted on presidential tickets backed by coalitions. These tickets and coalitions were formed after the legislative election. The presidential election requires a candidate to receive 50 plus 1 vote. If not, a second round will be held. Now, the 2019 election process will be a little bit different than previous elections in the 2000s and has some major changes to the election process. The upcoming election will be a simultaneous election, which means both the legislative and presidential elections will be held at the same time on the same day. This is the result of the 2008 law on presidential elections, and the Constitutional Court later made a decision that simultaneous elections are in line with the 1945 Constitution. This change to the election is a big deal. As I mentioned previously, the legislative elections were held separately about three months before the presidential elections, and the results were instrumental for parties to assess their seat strengths and then to build coalitions accordingly. This will not be possible in next year's election. Everything must be decided beforehand instead. Coalitions and tickets will be decided by August 10, 2018, or eight months before the election in April 2019. This election will have 16 parties competing in the House in 2019, and there will likely be two presidential tickets backed by coalitions of parties. For more specific information on this election, be sure to check out a previous episode with my guest, Dr. Jayadi Hanan. We cover the likely campaign issues, the party coalitions, and how several political parties will be wiped out in 2019. It's full of useful information. The title of the episode is called Solving Indonesia's Political Rubik's Cube. By looking at the past four elections, we can see that the races were pretty crowded, and in some elections, had up to five presidential candidates. Now let's get back to the current threshold issue and the debate. As you can guess, having a 20% threshold is a major hurdle for parties to nominate a presidential candidate. The big issue or controversy here is because the 2019 legislative and presidential elections will occur on the same day at the same time, and as a result, many believe that the threshold system should be eliminated entirely. The threshold supporters say that it improves the quality of candidates as they must have a wide support base. Other supporters say that there needs to be some order and stability in democracy and needs some rules to avoid having too many parties while others say that having many political parties and presidential tickets are a heavy burden on the state budget. Parties that support the 20% threshold are PDIP, Golkar, PPP, Hanora, and PKB. PDIP and Golkar obviously would benefit from such a requirement as they are the two largest parties in the country. Parties against the threshold are Garindra, Democrat, 
PAN, and PKS, which all called for a 0% threshold, or no threshold. Those against the 20% threshold argue that this threshold encourages transactional politics, as parties that cannot reach the minimum seat requirement end up buying support from, from other parties instead. They say that without a threshold, parties can nominate their own candidate, thereby avoiding transactional politics. Other critics argue that the threshold weakens the presidential system of Indonesia, since the presidential candidates are held hostage by political parties inside the parliament. They say that the power between the legislative and executive branches are separate, and the president is directly elected by the people. Therefore, it should not be dependent on what's happening in the lower house. The other argument is that new parties established after the 2014 election will be disenfranchised and unable to nominate a presidential candidate with a threshold of 20%. It seems that the arguments against the threshold are stronger, but that's just my personal view. The 2017 election law, which includes a threshold requirement, was passed with strong support from PDIP and Golkar lawmakers. Regardless of all these arguments, the Constitutional Court has clearly decided in favor of the threshold for 2019, and that's why all the parties must form coalitions to meet the 20% seat requirement. So let's talk about how many coalitions there are now, who are in them, and who is the candidate for president. Currently, there are two coalitions competing for the 2019 presidential election. The government coalition supporting President Widodo's re-election, which includes nine parties, PDIP, PPP, PKB, Golkar, Nasdem, PSI, Perindo, PKPI, and Hanura. PSI and PKPI are new parties and have no seats in the House as a result. These parties combined hold 60.3% seats in the House. The Garindra coalition, which supports retired Lieutenant General Prabowo Subianto for president, consists of two parties, the Garindra and Democrat parties. Both of these parties are major players and combined currently hold 23.94% seats, so they surpass the 20% threshold. This leaves two other parties, PKS and PAN, as undecided. PAN holds 8.8% and PKS holds 7.1% seats. It remains unclear which coalition they will support as both parties say they are prepared to support the Garindra coalition but are demanding that Prabowo pick his VP from their parties, something that Prabowo is reluctant to do. Both parties are experiencing internal friction on how to maneuver if Prabowo does in fact decline their offer. PKS has even threatened to abstain from joining any coalitions in the next election. This all will be decided in the coming days. As stated in other episodes, the registration period for parties to submit their nominations for president are from August 4th to the 10th this year. We will know by the evening of the 10th who exactly are in the coalitions and who are the presidential tickets. That's the breakdown I have for why coalitions are important in Indonesian politics, and I hope the explanation and brief history were useful to you. If not, send me an email at info at indonesiaindepth.com and let me know. This is Indonesia In-Depth. I'm Sean Corrigan. We'll be back soon with another episode. The Indonesia In-Depth podcast is produced by the team at Lexico Indonesia, a political risk advisory located in the heart of Jakarta. You can find Lexico Indonesia at lexicoindonesia.com.